0: For Thursday, October 14th, 2021, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, the federal government has enlisted an Atlanta nonprofit to help vaccinate people in low- and middle-income countries against COVID-19.
1: As long as we let it percolate around anywhere in the world, whether it's the U.S. or Cameroon, uh, we're all in danger.
0: Joe Brzee, an epidemiologist with the Task Force for Global Health, joins me to discuss how that effort will be built on the nonprofit's work to set up flu vaccination programs. That's next.
1: At a time when
0: information continues to come at us faster and faster, Sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has tapped the Atlanta-based Task Force for Global Health to help set up COVID-19 vaccination programs in dozens of low- and middle-income countries. The nonprofit is set to get $100 million over a five-year period for the effort. The task force has been working for years to stand up influenza vaccination programs in those countries, says Joe Brzee, an epidemiologist with the nonprofit. He's with me now for more. Joe, thanks for talking with me. Sure, my pleasure. So we're talking today on the occasion of the Task Force for Global Health getting a considerable amount of money, um, $100 million over a five-year period from CDC to help expand influenza and COVID-19 vaccine coverage in low- and middle-income countries. Talk with me a little bit about how this grant came about. How is it that the task force is on the CDC's radar to do this kind of work?
1: Well, I think uh, one of the reasons I just joined the task force recently, uh, but have worked with them for many years, is the same reason that CDC works with the task force on vaccination issues. I think task force has worked with partners around the world on vaccines and immunization programs for many, many years and and recognized early on that vaccines are are not only one of the most cost-effective health tools, but also a cost-effective development or economic development tool for low- and middle-income countries. And so we feel very strongly about vaccines and vaccination programs. Task Force also has a bunch of other skills or program areas that also serve the COVID purposes as well. We have uh, groups that work in data systems. Uh, we work in groups training epidemiologists around the world. We have a lot of programs that carry out very large public health programs around the world. And all this come together in the fact that we got this nice grant from CDC and are working closely with them to carry it out. We're able to build on all that experience and all that expertise in helping low and middle income countries deliver vaccines. Uh, We started a few years back with helping deliver influenza vaccines, and that's an important sort of building block towards COVID-19. Influenza vaccines are delivered to adults. They're delivered to health workers, the same populations that are meant to get COVID vaccines, and the same populations where many low and middle income countries don't have experience or don't have programs built already. So task force was able to enter this space with some experience in influenza vaccination, as well as all these other technical areas of expertise uh, and use it for COVID in service of CDC's mission uh, for COVID vaccination.
0: And with this kind of grant, is this something that the task force applies for? Is this a competitive process or is this the CDC essentially just tapping the agency on the shoulder and saying we need your help
1: a little both Uh, we applied for it yeah and we wrote a proposal uh, for the grant and and luckily we're awarded the grant as a result of the proposal but we have worked with cdc closely on vaccine issues for many many years including really deeply for the past several years on these influenza projects and on other parts of of the vaccination enterprise like public health worker training and so we weren't unknown to CDC, and I think they and we have been good collaborators over many years on vaccine programs, which I think put us in good stead to get this green.
0: The relationship between the Task Force for Global Health and, and the CDC goes back to the organization's founding. I mean, this is a public entity, the CDC, and then a, a private nonprofit that have worked very closely together for many years.
1: Yeah, in fact, the, uh, the task force was established by former CDC directors. Uh, as a again as an engine to support the global public health mission around vaccinations initially and around other things uh, over time. So there's a rich history between uh, CDC and the task force
0: in collaborating and doing complementary work to achieve public health goals. Lay out for me the work that the task force is doing around the world right now when it comes to vaccination, if we want to think about COVID-19 and influenza, either together, maybe those are separate efforts, because in this kind of announcement of this funding for the task force, the uh, CDC announcement essentially says y'all are very well equipped to go ahead and get these programs stood up. So lay out the landscape of kind of what y'all are currently doing around the world. Sure. And we'll
1: start with influenza. Uh, We've been working with CDC on helping support low and middle-income countries develop and mobilize influenza vaccination campaigns for the last five to seven years. And and this was an important program because influenza is a huge uh, cause of disease around the world, especially in low and middle-income countries where healthcare systems are less refined. And so the risk of death, the risk of hospitalization is highest in those countries. And those are the very countries that don't have vaccination programs for influenza historically. And so we developed a program with task force at CDC. And the we is when I was at CDC, we developed a program between CDC and the task force to support countries to introduce influenza vaccination programs, to understand their value and to sustain them. Uh, We've worked with about 20 countries so far and many of those countries will or have graduated, so to speak. We worked with them for several years to plan the programs, to provide some vaccine doses, to provide technical expertise, Uh, and over time the countries have understood the value, realized the value of influenza vaccination, and have taken over those programs as a self-funded enterprise, which is exactly what the goals of the program were. COVID follows much the same patterns where countries also don't have COVID vaccinations up until COVID emerged, obviously, but neither did they have systems to deliver vaccines to the very populations that COVID vaccines were meant for, adults, health workers, diabetics, elderly persons, all the people that also get influenza vaccines. And so we were able to use the expertise we developed over the last several years working with countries and CDC on influenza vaccination and mobilize that in support of this global enterprise of covid vaccination so right now we work with 35 countries on covid vaccination we provide a variety of types of technical expertise and funding to those countries uh, based on a sort of a process that we go to understand what their needs are and what their priorities are we hope uh, this year to expand that to additional countries maybe up towards 50 countries where we will work closely with those countries to provide the right technical assistance hopefully The right funding and the right on site assistance with our field staff to help them both deliver COVID vaccines efficiently and timely, and help also grow expertise in adult vaccination that can be sustained, hopefully, forevermore.
0: And I'm hoping you can give me kind of uh, some specific examples here of what this work on the ground actually looks like. I mean, maybe if you want to think about the work in one country, just kind of lay out for me explicitly the work that's going on on the ground.
1: Sure. And and so think about COVID vaccination programs and, and sort of developing, delivering vaccines into three buckets of activities. Uh, one bucket is planning. And planning can involve a variety of specific technical areas or programmatic areas that need to be done. You have to define who's going to get the vaccine, Who, which are the priority groups. So you have to make a policy for getting the vaccine. We can help with that. You have to define where those people are. So if you say, we want health workers to get the vaccine or diabetics, you have to know where those diabetics or health workers are in the country, which hospitals, how many they are, how old they are, um, how to reach them, how to access them. The other part of planning is in health worker training. Do you have the right public health force that are ready to understand where the vaccines are, how to send them, how to monitor uh, their use. Do You have the right health worker staff to give the vaccines. They know how to give the vaccines. They know how to get rid of the sharps uh, and the needles that are produced by the vaccination. So there's planning activities, and those are three examples. There's implementation activities, uh, and this is things like communication campaigns, social mobilization campaigns, where you roll out how do you reach people? How do you get them to be vaccinated? How do, you, how do they become advocates for vaccination, willing vaccinees? This is a very tricky area. And so some of the things we support in some of our countries are communication campaigns or studies to understand how best to communicate those messages, because the messages need to be tailored to the right population, to the right area, to the right age groups, et cetera. The third part is this evaluation part, which is critical now. As we see the vaccination campaigns are now several months old and soon will be a year old and then two years old, how do you get better over time? And so we're engaged with a host of countries on evaluating the vaccine campaigns. How have they done so far? What's gone well? What's done, gone poorly? In the hopes that you then circle back and develop another plan to get the vaccines, another communication plan that's even more effective than it was in the first place. And so I I think of the 35 countries, we have activities both in the planning, in the giving and in the evaluation phase. And every country doesn't do everything, uh, or we don't do everything with every country. Every country uh, applies for certain types of technical activity that may be one from each bucket or two from one bucket, none from the other. Uh, And we support whatever they need us to support in that space.
0: This is Did You Wash Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking today with Joe Brezi, an epidemiologist with the Task Force for Global Health. We're talking about the nonprofit's work to stand up COVID-19 vaccination programs in dozens of low and middle-income countries. The task force is currently in 35 countries, you're hoping to expand to 50. I mean, what is the state of vaccination programs in those countries? My general sense is there are some parts of the world where very, very small percentages of, you know, say a country's total population has access to vaccines, has taken advantage of vaccination, um, and that there's some real disparities, um, you know, depending on what what part of the world that you're looking at. Um, So kind of what is the the state of play on the ground in the countries that y'all are working with? How much help do these countries really need?
1: You've mentioned one of the really key features of COVID vaccination around the world, and that is the, the lack or the struggle to create equitable access to these vaccines, to create fair access to these vaccines. We've had a lot of vaccinations given, I think four uh, over 6 billion doses sorry, of vaccines have been given, about 30 to 40 million per day are being given now all around the world. Uh, the, the problem is most of those vaccines are going to high-income countries still. And so if you're in a low-income country where we work, you generally have much lower vaccine coverage rates for three different reasons, for really three core reasons. Either you can't get vaccine doses. Uh, Second is you're slow in to deliver them. You don't have the system set up to get them from the tarmac at the airport to the clinic and into somebody's arm. Or or third, people don't want to take it. And so any of these things, uh, any of these areas that go wrong will reduce the access of the people that need the vaccine in those countries to actually get it. So we work in countries that are either low income countries or middle income countries that generally have lower vaccine coverage rates, lower access to vaccines than high income countries. And we purposefully, of course, work in those countries to try to make that better, to try to make sure that countries that can get vaccines can actually deliver them in a timely and very efficient way. So the 35 countries we work in generally have vaccine coverage rates, as we say, the proportion of the population that have received a vaccine much lower than say if you're in the US or Chile or China. And they often are very low in terms of less than 5% of the population having received in some of the low-income countries. So we were passionate about making sure that the people in those countries, especially the people that are at high risk of severe disease, high risk of death, can have access to the vaccines Where we don't work really is in that first bucket of activities to get the vaccines into the countries. That's the purview of other global stakeholders. But these second two areas of work is what happens when the vaccine arrives? Can you use it well? Will people take it? That's where we think our our, our particular value is.
0: Well, and that makes me wonder, I mean, how the work That y'all are doing at the task force and maybe the work that other nonprofits are doing with vaccination around the world fits into the U.S. vaccination effort. I mean, you mentioned it's not y'all's job to get the shots there, but to work, say, once they are there on the ground. So kind of put those puzzle pieces together for me. How do y'all work with what the U.S. is doing abroad? And maybe how do y'all work with other groups on this larger effort?
1: Right, that's a, that's a great question, because as you can imagine, a worldwide vaccination program has a lot of moving parts, uh, both within the U.S., but certainly globally, where there's a huge number of stakeholders that are working together to support access and vaccination coverage in, in every country in the world. The U.S. has a couple of roles, and I mentioned these three areas of work, getting the vaccine, using the vaccine, and making sure people will take the vaccine. The U.S. government has interest, obviously, in all three of those areas, and the U.S. partners, like the task force, clearly have interest in those areas as well. One of the things that we think the task force program complements the U.S. government's work is, is where the U.S. government is, is very active in leaning forward to a great and very productive extent in, in getting vaccines into countries and donating vaccines or providing funds to, to purchase vaccines in countries. The task force then with our partners at CDC and to a large extent USAID and the US government then work in these other two buckets. Can we make sure that when the vaccines get there that the US government or other governments donate, are the countries ready to use them? Can they? Are they ready to have the trucks to, to take them to the, uh, to the refrigerators? Or do they have enough refrigerators in the, all the provinces the countries to, to, to take care of these vaccines? Are the people ready and trained to move the vaccines and to give the vaccines? Uh, Are the people willing to get the vaccines? Do they know enough? Have they been educated? Have we done a good enough job of making sure that they see a value to get the vaccine? All these things uh, are very complicated. But we think the complementarity that the task force and CDC play to the US government's vaccine donation is perfect. The US government donates vaccines as do other governments, while the US uh, CDC, along with the task force help the countries actually use the
0: vaccine. So I just checked the latest figures uh, from the Kaiser Family Foundation this week. By their count, the US has pledged to donate at least 1.1 billion doses of COVID-19 vaccine around the world. KFF says some 919 million have have yet to be shipped out. Is that enough when it comes to the need uh, around the world for COVID-19 vaccination, the the US offering up 1.1 billion doses? It's a really important
1: contribution, but no, it's not enough. I, I think if we want to make sure that every person in the world has the opportunity to get a vaccine and protected by vaccination, we'll need many more billions of doses o- over time. It is enough to jumpstart, I'd say, uh, the, the access to vaccines in many low and middle income countries. A- and our donation in the U.S. has been also, if not matched, added to by other countries around the world. And what you'll see over the next quarter and the next two quarters is where there's been a relatively, relative, I say, trickle of vaccines into the lowest income countries. So far, there'll be many, many more doses available to these countries in the coming three to six months. And so the vaccine access, the vaccine delivery to the country problem is is being worked on by a variety of governments and international stakeholders around the world to such extent that the countries will have more and more vaccine doses over the next several months. Now the challenge is, again, our job and others like us uh, job is to make sure the countries, once they get the vaccine, they can actually use it quickly. The last thing you want is vaccines to show up in a country and expire or be used poorly or be thrown away because there's no one willing to get it. All these things will obviously reduce the long-term goal of making sure that everybody's protected in the world and we can get back to normal.
0: Well, and I think that leads very nicely, Joe, to wrap up um, to kind of the the value of this work. I mean, I think we can look at the vaccination situation here in the U.S. and it's faced considerable challenges. There are still large portions of this country that have expressed little to no interest um, in opposition to vaccination. And I think that will lead a listener quite rationally to think, well, why are we working so much overseas when we still have these big challenges at home with, you know, some of the same stuff y'all are working on with with distribution, with, you know, convincing people that this is the right thing to do. How would you respond to that? What is the value of doing all this work abroad for the U.S.? I would say it's it's not
1: an either-or thing. We can walk and chew gum at the same time, so to speak, in public health. I, I think there's, a, rightly so, a lot of attention and a lot of work going on domestically to make sure that as many people get vaccinated as quickly as they can. At the same time, we have not only an obligation as uh, U.S. citizens and the U.S. government to work on vaccine program development and disease prevention overseas, but it actually works in our favor. There's plenty of evidence that shows that The US can have the highest vaccine coverage in the world, but unless everybody in the world is protected against the disease, the disease will continue to spread and continue to create a threat to the United States. The the other thing it will continue to do is allow the virus to circulate and to, to infect people and then to spread to other people. And every time that infection and spread happens, you get a chance of the virus getting better, mutating to create new variants that might not be protected by the vaccine or might. Uh, spread more quickly or cause more severe disease. And so the sooner we can all get protected through vaccination, the sooner we can get this virus on the run. And as long as we let it percolate around anywhere in the world, whether it's the US or Cameroon, uh, we're all in danger of this thing both going on much longer, but also in danger of new viruses developing that way and be more serious.
0: Joe Brzee is an epidemiologist with the Task Force for Global Health. Did You Wash Your Hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. It's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening.